0: In this extra special bonus episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about monkey butlers, fake blood recipes, a regular guy in a cool set of circumstances, pre-paying for blood travel, and talking to a duck with author Jay (laughs) Kristoff. Dying, literally dying. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda.
1: And I'm Claire. And today we're going to talk to the one, the only, Gia (sighs) Kristoff.
0: Okay. Wow. (laughs) I'm kind of shaky a little bit.
1: I can tell. And it's not the shitting of pants.
0: It might be the shitting of the pants that's happening right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: I'm
2: I'm a very easy interview. You'll be totally fine.
0: Nope. Nervous. Gonna throw up. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. Okay. So. Oh my God. Thank you for joining us. We've only wanted to talk to you for a really long time. And we finally get the chance. That's
2: great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Um, We talked about Empire of the Vampire back in January. And a long, long time ago on Fictional Hangover, in the time before Claire joined the show, in the B.C. times, as we refer to them, um, (laughs) me and my former co-host talked about Nevernight. And I developed an unhealthy obsession with Mia Corveri. So... Okay. Just, I'm happy that you're here.
2: <laughs> I get, that a lot I'm glad you like the books. I'm
0: glad. <laughs> oh, we also read Illuminate, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. We
1: Jackson oh, yeah. Ford. Wow. It was it was Jackson Ford's recommendation. Yes,
0: Jackson Ford told us to read Illuminate. Do you know Jackson Ford? You should read his books. Okay. No,
2: I don't. What, um, what's, what's the first the first one, I read? The first
0: one is called The Girl Who Could Move Shit with Her Mind. Oh, the Behind
1: Your Book. Yeah.
0: <laughs> The girl who can move shit with that's her mind. Um, that's a great title. Eye of the shit storm. That's another one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What's the What's the second oh, one? Doom. I skipped the second no, one. No, it wasn't
1: Doom.
0: No, that's the latest one. Uh, in May, a shitload of crazy powers is coming out.
1: <laughs> Random shit flying, thought...
0: flying, no, so. flying through the air. Random shit
3: flying through yeah. the air. The second one. Random
1: shit flying through the air. And I of the Shitstorm And then the third, fourth one is coming oh. out this year, but I can't remember what it's called because it was supposed to have something you do with doom. Right. No. And I got very excited about it, and then it changed. No, it's called a shitload they, of crazy can powers. Could I see
2: that cover? Like, do they print the word shit on the cover or no? It's got the. the yeah. It's got the. Asterisk. Yeah. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah. So you should read those. There's, yeah, okay, alright. They don't say fuck as many times as your books do, but it's close. No, it's but a close it, will, second. it will get you hungry. They will.
1: Oh. Every time I just need to eat pizza, cheese on toast, or cheese. What do you call it in America? Grilled cheese? Grilled cheese. Grilled, Grilled cheese. cheese right. um, or pizza. Every single time. Yeah, every
3: single
2: time. Like it's a foodie book. Like it talks about food a lot, or it's well, like a George R. R. Martin style.
0: The main character, um, in addition to being able to move shit with her mind, she also wants to be a chef. So she makes food a lot and floats stuff around her kitchen. All
2: right. So it's a foodie book. See, I I don't have food at all. There's nothing that is more boring to me in a book than reading about people eating. Like I just... Uh... Yeah, you have to have a thing for food, and if you have a thing for food, it's great. Like yeah. George R. 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 Martin will write two pages about what the people at the feast are eating. I, oh, I oh, it's not, not,
0: it's not George R. 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 Martin mm-hmm. level. No, don't worry about no, that. Sure,
1: it's, sure. No, it's it's more. Let's go to this LA food truck. Let's get tacos, and now let's go and blow shit And up.
0: now let's do a shit ton of meth and yeah. get crazy power. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's fine. It's really
1: great. You should
2: really so that's cool. the message of the book: meth gives you powers.
1: But look, well, the, the, she doesn't bad, want bad, to do meth. Don't forget as well, the bad guy in one of the books was a four-year-old.
0: Yes, an evil four-year-old. Look, you need to read them. Claire, we need to stop yes, talking about right. them. That's not why we're yes. here today. <laughs> it's a hashtag tenuous link. It is a tenuous link. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I think we should start out by playing Would You Rather? Yes.
3: Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so we have some Empire, the questions that we ask on Empire, the vampire episode, and then some others that are from Nevernight, and also we made them up. So, okay. I mean, we made up all of them. You get it. But anyway, combos. All right. So, Claire, what was our first question that we asked? The first about question Empire? we
1: asked on social media was uh, Which power would you rather have? Steel strong skin, animal control, emotional manipulation or extreme strength. And across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok everybody said animal control. Really? Yes, yes.
2: Huh interesting. I guess, yeah I mean I like animals. Um, I like them a lot. Being able to talk with them sounds interesting but I'm not entirely sure they would have much that is interesting to say at the end of the day. My dog would be hungry, nasty. (laughs) Want to go out? You know, where is my mother? Why am I talking to you? (laughs) Uh, So yeah, yeah. I I think I'd rather. I don't know. Emotional manipulation would probably be more easy. It would probably make your life easier than being able to talk to animals. I mean, steel strong skin and super strength—that's kind of standard superhero power stuff. I'm sure you could save some buses for the school children occasionally but yeah uh, being able to make people feel good or bad around you or whatever i'm, I'm sure that would make your life easier than the other things so i'm gonna go with that
1: see i think that I we think, went with, yeah, it, I went think with emotional manipulation we went down the dark side of course we mean um, yeah happen. it can go to horrible <laughs> places <yeah. laughs> we're, you, we're you, you too.
2: you'd have to exercise that power wisely It it, It will
1: be easier to take over the world.
2: Immediate villain. Which
1: Darth do I want to be?
2: You could very easily become a supervillain with that power. immediately. You would would have to have a strong moral core.
1: (laughs) Oh darn!
0: Nope. Immediate villain.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I get. I understand that. I understand that imperative.
1: It's more fun that way. Who needs morals?
0: They're not required. They're not required at all. We had a couple people comment, and we picked the best ones to share with you because, oh my gosh, we actually had a ton of people comment. But um, my favorite okay. one, I think, was uh, I shared it at the library that I work at, too. And one of my coworkers says that that they would want to talk to animals so they could have a monkey rob a bank or <laughs> cause a cattle rush that could murder someone.
2: I mean, that sounds like supervillain origin story as well. So if you're going to be a supervillain, you may as well... Do it the best you can do it, and I'm pretty sure you could be a better super villain emotionally manipulating people <laughs> than having evil monkeys doing your bidding. I'm not even sure where you would get a monkey. <laughs> where would you get a monkey to rob a bank?
1: No. Who who hasn't always wanted a monkey butler? I mean, it can't just be me who's always wanted a monkey butler that bottles. I need somebody to fetch things for me. Cups of tea, coffee, you know. Oh, I need a snack. Come on. Where's my I'm
2: sure. Again, that probably sounds better than it actually would be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you're my only thinking at with... the moment where the monkey walks in the door with your cup of tea. You're not thinking about all the other shit that needs to happen for that monkey <gasps> to be there. Literal
1: shit. Monkeys yeah. like to throw their feces.
2: Yeah, they do when they're annoyed. Yes, they they will do that. So, and
1: I feel like <laughs> it <they> would annoy <laughs> I the hell out of them if you made yeah, the monkey. The mad
0: if you made the monkey be your butler, he would probably throw shit at you. Constantly. Oh, completely. Yeah.
2: Completely. I mean, just because you control him doesn't mean he likes you. <laughs>
1: God damn it. Listen, I'm not into slavery. I'm not going to go down the animal control route. I'm going to manipulate you emotionally. That's right. Which is better?
2: Well, I mean, I talk a little bit more about it in book two, but like the manipulation thing, they can't really make you feel what you don't already feel in some way it's kind of you know it's a little bit it, it's kind of dialing up or dialing down emotion
0: mm. that's
3: what
2: the yulong do oh, So emotional they, they enhancement. You, yeah they can't make you feel something that you don't already feel they can't make you do something that part of you doesn't want to do it's not like control it's it's more like playing with your equalizer so they dial is up it your the anger and the
1: drunk that. version it's of you. you? The drunk version of you is you yeah. just notched up.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Uh... <laughs> Whereas, yeah, the, there is there is another vampire family that can just make you do stuff you don't want to do. They just tell you to do something and you obey. So the 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 Ilon are a lot more subtle in their in the way their vampiric powers express themselves. Yeah. yeah. So I'm they're kind of power, over. power, power behind the throne types. Yeah, rather, yeah. They, they whisper and people listen, rather than they shout at you and people are back So yeah, they're they're kind of sneaky that way.
1: I, I don't think I would manage that very well. I think I'm more of a speech <laughs> Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure
0: I would be doing some evil cackling and, you know, making people A do big, my big tower. Yes, an evil tower.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tail, tail, even tales, where it's like that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it would need it would need to happen. Um. So, next question: Would you rather have the blood boiling power of Sanguimancy or the blood sword?
2: Uh, probably the sword. I mean, by by insinuation, the sword thing is it's like. It's like a limited form of telekinesis. Like you can make, you can form blood into shapes. So the sword isn't necessarily the only thing you could do. Uh, so yeah, that would probably be more useful than just boiling someone's blood. Like boiling someone's blood, you know, it only really has one use. You're hurting people. <laughs> Whereas, I don't know, being able to manipulate blood, you could, you know, reach across the room and get something that's to get the TV remote because you could be <laughs> getting off your butt to grab it. Um, So yeah, I think I think the blood manipulation thing would be more more useful ability. I I don't know many people whose blood I would like to boil. So there's a couple, but not many.
0: So you could essentially use your blood manipulation to make your monkey butler.
1: Yes, but it wouldn't be a a monkey. It would be a blood blood monkey butler. Oh, that's just messy. That is just extra messy.
2: (laughs) Much yeah, of the yeah. stairs,
1: you'd never get them out. It probably wouldn't it's shit, getting... at you know.
2: No, you'd want to have hardwood floors though. If you had carpet, you'd be in big trouble.
1: Oh, that's just cold.
2: <laughs> hardwood floors. I'm mean, in mean, the
1: UK. It's freezing all the time. We can't I can't be dealing with wood floors anymore. <laughs> yeah, I
2: don't think image... I don't think the monkey butler is going to work out for
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a bit sad now, actually.
0: I'm sorry that you're gonna be mourning your monkey butler for the rest of this episode.
1: It's one of these things. I'll give it up. (laughs) I would give it up if I had the uh, the the option to have the like the the and be able to like you know blood sword things and use it as there's a there's a spell in D and D called Mage Hand and you can't see the hand but like you know you can use it to manipulate things and steal things and. Etc. And I've just got this yeah. image of mage hand, but blood, and that's really
2: yeah. quite cool. Hand of, hand of blood. There you go. Yeah, was
1: And you, you you could really freak people out by like using it and just rubbing it down the face and be like, "Hello." Like, <laughs> yeah. The creep yeah. factor is high with this one.
0: And then you can do a crossover and travel to other places, being oh. covered in blood. That was
2: Nevernight nice style, sure. Yeah. 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 That's that's probably that's probably a higher level spell than Mage Hand. You're probably talking a fifth level spell there.
1: <laughs> it will take two spell slots.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Hashtag nerd, right?
2: Yes, yes. I've been a D and D fan for a very long time, so <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: I'm happy. Next question, would you rather live Gabriel's teenage storyline or his mid-30s storyline? Remember, he's only 32, Amanda. I know, you <laughs> reamed me for
0: that one when I said he was in his mid-30s. You mocked me mercilessly. Yeah, he's,
2: he's early 30s. He's, only, early 30s. Early
0: uh, 32. he's a baby. He's a baby. He is.
2: I mean, it would have to be the young the young Gabe storyline, right? I mean, the old Gabe storyline is, <laughs> it's horrible. No, nothing good happens to him. It's like pure torture. It starts from a place of the most traumatic event of his life and kind of gets worse from there. So, yeah, I'll be the I'll be the, the YA superhero in the dark academia setting, please. That'll, that'll work. That'll be a lot more fun.
0: That's a good tagline. It is. It really is. It's almost like he's a professional. You, yeah.
2: yeah, it's like I've done this before Once yeah. <laughs> or twice It's like I've, it's like, like I've written the dark academia book
0: before <laughs> I think I would I don't remember what I said in our episode Do you remember what we said?
1: Did I think, I think it might have been the teenagers But then in the mid-30s That's when his sanguamancy kicks in And we're really quite attracted to that idea Well, I mean, he had sanguamancy yeah, you... all the time
2: that's true. He did. And you, your wife and daughter get killed in front of you. Like, that's where it starts. Yeah, I'm not true. sure anyone wants that to happen.
0: Yeah, it's pretty
3: bad. <laughs> like,
2: that's pretty fucking bad.
3: It's pretty bad. Um,
2: yeah, so he's having a lot more fun as a general rule when he's a kid. I mean, that's true of everybody, right? Everyone has more fun when they're a kid than when they're a grown-up.
1: Yeah. 22, is I think, is the sweet spot because pretty much in every country, everything is legal at that point. <laughs> and you know you're already you 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 start to actually have money at that age
2: do yeah you? and you and you're starting to become an, intellectual and an adult so you stop doing really stupid things and just do sort of stupid things
1: yeah. <laughs> I but you know when you drink what level of alcohol you can have to be just happy to be drunk to be doing the stupid batman shit
2: do you though <laughs> <laughs> I still <laughs> occasionally do this stupid bad bitch. I still occasionally drink too much. I've been doing it for decades. <laughs> so you know.
1: Oh, but now you can say, I am vengeance. Mm, you can't. <laughs> <Right.
0: laughs> <laughs> no, I oh, think we need to skip the... over the Rob Pattons and Batman. Hey, it was a good
2: Have movie. You got... I thought it was okay.
0: Yeah, it, was it wasn't. Right. Yeah. It wasn't bad. I think it was better than the Christian Bales, personally, because they were too dark. Like, literally, the screen was too dark.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I really liked the first two thirds of it. I thought the end fell down a little bit, but I liked Robert Pattinson. I, I thought the casting in general was great. I really yeah. liked the way Gotham looked, and I liked how it felt a little bit noirish and a little bit like a detective
0: yeah. film. Yeah. I mean,
2: it wasn't yeah. super detective y, but at least he was. Kind of walking into crime scenes and looking around and noticing stuff, he felt like a little bit like a detective. So yeah, yeah I liked that vibe. I thought it was, I thought it was cool.
1: I thought I he, think was... he did a good um, Bruce Wayne because he was miserable as Batman, but also miserable as Bruce Wayne. Whereas Christian Bale kind of did a was too much of an American Psycho in his Batman <laughs> and Bruce Wayne, where he was miserable as Batman and then he was like this pretend happy as Bruce Wayne.
2: But, I mean, that's kind of what Bruce Wayne is. Like, Bruce Wayne is the mask. Like, if you get deep into the Batman mythos, Bruce Wayne is the mask that Batman pulls on to pretend he's an all-person. Like, he's the skin that Batman wears. So he he should kind of be... Like, if you want the identity to be secret... It probably shouldn't act exactly like your regular identity acts just without <laughs> the mask.
1: You see, that's where Rob Patterson's B- Bruce Wayne yeah. was fine. He never went out. He was completely. He didn't out went of out, right? Yeah, sure. And that is completely it. relatable as well. Yes. Like, yeah.
2: No one, oh, no one yeah. ever met him. It's like, exactly. okay, so there's this mask vigilante running around the city. He's obviously wealthy because he's got all these technological gadgets. Um, and there's this reclusive billionaire who lives up on a mansion in the hill, and the mansion is the most goth-as-fuck mansion anyone has ever seen. <laughs> I wonder, so could they be could they be related?
0: <laughs> no, not at all. Do you know my There's mommy? that
2: scene where Alfred is at the table, he's, like, writing a letter or something, and there's just a sh- shot of the dining room, and it's the most goth dining <laughs> room you've ever seen. Like, I'm I, sure I there that... are gargoyles on the walls <laughs> there inside are. the house. There it's have to be gargoyles. Form.
1: I actually think when yeah. that, when we saw the interior, I think it's something along the lines of "fuck off"
2: out of yeah, my was, mouth because it, I was it like, like "Oh my god, <laughs> it's so that cool!" Was, but it... yet so and over I, the I, top,
1: I reject that it's Colin Farrell as the Penguin. I can't. I can't, My brain does not recognize it. It's the best makeup I've ever seen. I would not I've have seen. known it
2: was him at all. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a weird choice. Like I thought he was. I thought their take on the Penguin was good. But it's... I thought using Colin Farrell in that role was a weird choice because you, you you don't even know it's him it could be anyone under there. Um so yeah. I didn't but know it, until it, yeah, I came good. out
1: and I and I was on IMDb looking at the trivia.
2: Yeah, a friend of mine told me and I didn't believe it. Yeah. You know, they did a, they did an amazing job.
0: You told me in the middle of a episode of Fictional Hangover and I was like what the fuck
1: are you talking about? <laughs> There's
2: no <laughs> yeah, way. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, cuz then you told me about I Kill his name again. Joe Magnilion? No. Oh, no, know. that was not a word. Big Flash Gordon? Yeah, I don't know how to say yeah. his name. Nobody does. No.
0: And then we spend an inordinate amount of time talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger being. And his Japanese commercials. Mr. Freeze and his Japanese commercials. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the entire world.
2: <laughs> the Simpsons episode?
0: No! Or no. Arnold
2: Schwarzenegger and Mr. S- Mr. Freeze.
0: No, no. Arnold Schwarzenegger's Japanese commercials. He does like cup cup noodles and he's right. weird energy drinks and he's carrying cars. I don't know. They're the most terrible things I've ever watched, but I love them. Okay. There's like a 10 minute you, I, on YouTube. thing YouTube. on YouTube and it's just right. Arnold Schwarzenegger.
2: <laughs> commercial. Right.
0: They're awful, but I love them. <laughs> anyway, yikes. Let's move on to the next question. My favorite one. Would you rather be tauntauned inside a dead horse or pinned under a frozen river?
2: Dead horse. Because you die under a frozen river. <laughs> you, die, but you're, you die really quickly.
0: But you're Gabriel.
2: Oh, as Gabriel? Uh, yeah. I mean, as long as there's someone there to get you out. Uh, like, he's he, he's... In that particular situation he wasn't strong enough to get himself out so he needed a buddy there to help him um but yeah <laughs> as long as you've got someone to get you out then it's fine but i did a lot of research in what in terms of what happens to you when you get kind of submerged in freezing cold water and it's really unpleasant and you die really quickly so <laughs> you need a buddy. Get
1: short-term memory loss as well that's what i you, heard that you can,
2: you can. Yeah, Yeah, because I mean, all the blood vessels in your body just constrict, like everything just shrinks really rapidly. Um, One of the really interesting things is your lungs, depending on the temperature of the water, your lungs are literally incapable of holding the breath in them. So even if you hold your breath and then jump in, you just exhale, like you can't control it.
3: Because they squeeze. So you've got
2: zero oxygen in your lungs. Yeah, or your whole body contracts. Yeah. Yeah. It's this kind of, yeah, it's an involuntary reaction. Um, and so you have zero breath in your lungs, so you asphyxiate really quick. Uh, and you know, there's probably a current happening. So you get dragged away from the hole. Yeah. Um, and so you look, cup and horrifying terrifying experience. Uh, I, I watched some videos of it. It happened to, uh, yeah, it's no fun at all. Mm. So by comparison, just getting chucked inside a horse to keep warm. I mean, that's, that's kind of icky, but yeah falling into falling under a frozen lake sounds absolutely terrifying it's full
1: no no put that in the bucket i'm getting a that taunt on yeah
2: i i read an interview with someone who actually died like they they were i think they were dead for something like 12 minutes it was crazy um but because they had essentially kind of snapped frozen um they got resuscitated and they, and they didn't suffer any Kind of brain damage like one of the things that will happen to people who who asphyxiate even if they get revived because their brains have been deoxygenated they sometimes suffer brain damage but this particular person even though they were dead for like i think it was 12 minutes because they had essentially frozen on the way down uh they didn't suffer any damage whatsoever yeah it, it, i went yeah i went to a very deep hole for that scene um and yeah this this it's scary it sounds horrible that is insane
0: but
3: yeah, now very, I'm very cool just thinking well, about very it.
2: Now yeah, I no, of, it's no good. It's no fun.
0: It makes me think that you could be cryogenically frozen.
2: I mean, that's the theory, right? I'm sure if you can, Elon Musk is working on it right now. Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are, are, yeah. are working on that Ugh. particular problem. That's um, the last
1: thing we need. <laughs> it <laughs> happened I mean, to that, Brendan Fraser. It happened to Brendan Fraser in the 90s. I don't know if we he can count oh, oh, he fell
2: Oh, he fell into frozen water?
1: No, he was in the caveman movie. He was in. He was in. Oh Cino, right,
2: man. sorry. Uh, I see. <laughs> I thought it actually happened to. <laughs> <laughs> to the wrong with it, I would have believed you. You just, just picked up that bullet, and ran. This fucking day, but next Shit, minutes. <laughs> wow.
3: <It's> terrible, <laughs> Brett. Did you
1: do this? <laughs> that could have been the next internet rumor. Dang it. <laughs> Anywho, back to this and away from horrendous frozen rivers, because that's just yeah. ghastly in every way, shape, or form. Would you rather kill Greyhand or Chloe? God
2: damn you, Chloe. I'm uh, so, so
1: disappointed man. in her.
2: They're, they're both bad in their own way. Um, I'm not sure who is worse. I mean, I think We had kind of just... a ten-minute
1: conversation about this, debating who was worse. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. We who did. won?
2: What was what was the final decision?
1: I think Chloe, because of being a religious zealot, yeah, it's more dangerous.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah Grey Greyhand is kind of a by any means necessary guy, whereas Chloe is literally just a fanatic, um, and they're probably more dangerous. But you can't reason with a fanatic it's very difficult to have a discussion with a fanatic on any given topic or whatever, whatever topic it is they're fanatical about. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: they're kind of beyond the point of reason. So yeah, in that, I mean, in that sense, Chloe is probably has the potential to be more dangerous. I mean, Greyhand is certainly physically more dangerous. He's you know a, a trained warrior and a guy who's fought his whole life, but you could probably have a conversation with him easier than you could with Chloe. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Probably Chloe. Chloe is probably the more evil of the two in the, in the broader sense of the word, morally speaking. Um, Greyhound does bad things, but he knows they're bad. Chloe does bad things because she thinks they're good. Uh, and, you know, in some sense, you could make the argument that what she was doing was right. You know, it's the trolley problem. Like, is killing one person justifiable when you're saving the lives of a bunch more people? Uh, and you know in on a basic level the math of that problem is very simple you would kill one person to save five but if you know that one person about someone that you care about then it suddenly becomes a very different equation so you could very easily make the argument that Gabe did the wrong thing at the end of the book that Chloe was actually right um, or at least doing what she believed was right whether or not the ritual would have worked or not is another question but you know, from her point of view, she was, you know, that—that's what makes a good villain. I think um, the villain needs to needs to have a sympathetic point of view. The villain needs to be the hero in the story. I'm sure if you sat down with Chloe, she would be able to explain perfectly articulately why she was doing what she did, yeah, and why it was right. Um, but yeah, religious fanaticism is seldom a good thing. It's it's usually a pretty dangerous thing. So yeah. Would- she, she she probably wins
0: would the ritual have worked or is that a spoiler
2: Oh, uh, yeah it's a spoiler <laughs> yeah so there's, a, there's a discussion there's a discussion about that in uh, in book two um because obviously Dior is pretty uh, bent out of shape about that idea like she has a little bit of survivor guilt going on and that's something that kind of haunts her particularly as things get worse in the world she wonders like could all this have been avoided. But yeah, there are there are bigger forces at play and you kinda of get a glimpse of them in book two. You get a you get a a broader understanding of kind of what Dior is and what role she has to play uh, and how she kinda of ties into the history of the world and the, the bigger lore at large. So yeah. It's it's not as it's not as simple as perhaps some characters believed it was. Mm. Mm.
1: I always felt Chloe's, like, not necessarily her. Was is betrayal the right word? I don't know. I, like, if, between Greyhand and Chloe, Chloe's wanting to kill Dior, and you know you've gone from being one of the closest friends you've had, one of the people you've you know you've learned and developed and who stood by your side for so long, but on a per- more personal level than what Greyhand was, because Greyhound was the mentor. And then when she's like, Yeah, I'm gonna kill this person and now we need to like, you know, we're on opposing sides of, of, of an argument. I felt like her betrayal that if that is the right word, it doesn't feel like it, was greater than Greyhand, who you know, he he always knew all the way along what his beliefs were and he stood by them. You know, he, he yeah. it, it was it was black and white for him. Whereas Chloe, I feel like she's you've lost a friend a really good friend and a person is supporter and you know, somebody who's always been there and it felt like a bigger betrayal or a bigger loss.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean I guess I guess the difference is she she deliberately deceived everybody. Like
3: yeah.
2: she lied to Dior. or she lied to Gabe. Greyhound didn't lie to anybody. Yeah. He's you yeah. know he yeah, he he is a far he's a far more black and white character in that sense. He never pretended to be anything else, whereas Chloe did. So yeah, I guess you're right when it, it, I mean it is a kind of betrayal um and that probably cuts deeper. And, and also, you know, Gabe never really considered Greyhand a friend. Like he was a father figure and a mentor, but they weren't buddies. Whereas he and Chloe he would have called her a friend. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, it, that cut deeper in that sense. Also, I mean also from Dior's point of view as well, like she's a character who has a great deal of difficulty trusting people uh, because of what's happened to her and her past. She doesn't make friends very easily. She doesn't let people in very easily. So for her to have let Chloe in and then literally have, you know, the woman holding a knife to her throat was uh, pretty traumatic as well. So yeah, she, she is uh, kind of going through the feels on that in at the start of book two kind of, working out how she feels about all of that and, and how that changes her as a character.
0: Claire, didn't we have a conversation about how we thought that if Chloe would have told Dior at the very beginning what she believed, that we thought that Dior would have just gone along with it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the honesty, because of Chloe having the trust issues from what she went through... Um, when she was young. I mean, when she was young, she's only sixteen. She's still a baby. Um, she probably would have been fine with it, and actually fought Gabriel to be sacrificed for it. I think she would have been not indoctrined, but certainly would have understood where Chloe was coming from, and probably would have appreciated the honesty
2: you could yeah i don't know what she would have decided but she certainly would have been open to that discussion yeah like she's she's a pretty altruistic person at the heart of her um she's a good person and wants to do good uh it would be a difficult conversation if you know some bunch of randos show up and say you hey kid guess what uh, you're the chosen one, but we're going to have to fucking kill you. So come with us and it'll all be good. <laughs> we're just going to go to this monastery in the north and we're going to cut your throat and the world will be safe. <laughs> That's a pretty hard conversation to have, but. Uh, Do you not think you know, it's such a your...
1: confusing conversation? It would work. <laughs>
0: yeah, you could have come to terms with it. I think, yeah, I think she would have been okay with it if she knew from the beginning. And, you know, having a brainwashing pep talk along the way, <laughs> I think she would have been yeah, okay with it.
2: from from I mean, but the, the the other problem is then you know, who else in that group even knew what was the plan? Like, did Bellamy know? Like, no. He's too nice a guy. He's, 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 he's the simple bard of the group. He wouldn't have been Happy to walk along and t- towards the sacrificial murder of a 16-year-old girl.
0: No, he probably um, would not um, put Saoirse, it to
2: Saoirse song. Saoirse wouldn't have helped. Like Ra- it's implied that Rafa knows because Rafa helped Chloe with the translations, but it's never it's never explicitly made clear whether he knew oh, where it was death. ultimately going to end because oh. Chloe has the actual ritual, like the book where the ritual is is in Saint Michel. Yeah. So whether Rafa even knew is a question. Um, you know, convincing a group of people you could probably maybe convince Dior to go along with it, but finding a group of people who would be willing to facilitate that is is pretty hard,
1: yeah. True, Rafa's death was so frustrating. I was so frustrated with him. I wanted to shout at him, but I couldn't because he was dead. If he just kept his focus and kept his faith,
2: eyes eyes of the prize, (laughs) baby.
1: No fluctuated slightly like, now nope. don't shit no nope. shit no nope. dad yeah. I mean,
2: too, too much faith in things and not enough faith in in the meaning behind the faith i guess is the lesson there like too, putting too much power in symbols um but i mean that that's a conversation that kind of gets that event kind of gets foreshadowed there's a conversation with him and gabe um i can't remember exactly what gabe says He's talking about, you know, the wheel and how it's never going to love you back and one day you're going to find out how little it's actually worth. Um, yeah. Ruffer is kind of, a, yeah, he's a guy who puts too much faith in the trappings of faith rather than faith itself.
1: Yeah. You could see it happening as well, couldn't you? Just... I mean, obviously you could, you wrote it, but (laughs) (laughs) just that entire scene, it's like, well, everybody else is dead. It's down to you, dude. Are you going to do it? Are you? Are you? No. You're not really, are you? No. Dead. Waiting for it. Dead. So when Chloe uh, 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 and St. die died, died, I remember messaging Amanda and going, Chloe, is dead, but there's no body, so she's come back. There's far too much of this book left for her not to come back.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of setup to have killed everybody at the end of act two, yeah.
0: Oh, it was so difficult because I had finished reading it long, long before Claire, and I was like, okay, you just keep it all on the inside, no spoilers, right,
2: don't,
1: right. don't react. Sure. Don't react just to Just mysterious emo- emojis. Yes. <laughs> it's the ellipses. I see the ellipses, and then I see nothing. I'm gone. Yep. She's trying not to comment anything. <laughs> Because I did, I read it and listened to it at the same time. So I used the audiobook to like read through it because the book is oh, beautiful cool. with all of the illustrations and everything. I, I needed to enjoy it. Um, but I also really wanted to listen to it. And I thought, well, I'll right. level up. I'll go old school, you know? So I started yeah, to cool. listen to it as I was reading it. And it helped a lot, especially with the French. Um, yeah, Damien is great. Yeah, it, it's um, fantastic. And it really just helped like make the the book pop that little bit more. So I highly recommend listening and reading it at the same time. Yep. Yeah, that was yeah a,
2: he's got, that was he's the way got an go. incredible voice. He's, he's a great audiobook narrator. I've not actually listened to the audiobook all the way through.
0: It's fantastic.
2: Um, oh, good. I'm glad. Fantastic. Yeah. Like, yeah. Damien's an amazingly talented dude. And he's read a couple of other audiobooks that I have listened to all the way through. But. Listening to your own audiobook is, it's kind of weird. Um, it's a strange experience. Like it, it's, it's a little bit self-congratulatory, but also there's a, there's a weirdness in the sense that you've read this thing so many times. Like by the time it gets published, I've probably read Empire, Jesus, 50 times at least. And so you have beats and it's like, in your head like and it's just the way it is like it's set in stone so when you hear someone else reading it and they don't put those beats and inflections where you think they should be there's this weird dissonance it kind of throws you out uh and you know that's not to say that the read wasn't great it's just different to the way you've heard it always it would be like you know the way you pronounce your name and it's always been your name ever since you've been alive and someone comes along and calls you your name but pronounces it differently it just feels weird. So yeah, I I that, don't That's
1: an to argument against people listening to audiobooks. Like it's not read how they would want it to be read or expect it to be read so that's why some people don't listen to audiobooks. It's just I I'm yeah, I,
2: I love audiobooks. I mean, I'm a huge audiobook fan because they I mean they're just a time saver. You, you you can listen to an audiobook while you while you go to the gym or do your exercise or whatever. Um whereas sitting down and reading it's a it's a it's a wholly consuming activity you can't do anything else uh, and i'm pretty time poor these days so audiobooks have been a lifesaver in terms of being able to keep up with my reading but yeah just mm. listening to your own audiobook is, is a, it's a little bit odd
1: well, it's a 27 hour beast and if you've read it x amount of times imagine how much you've spent reading it and writing it and editing it that's just an yeah. absolute phenomenal amount of time i just wow
2: it is it is <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean it, it it's good in the sense that you know the book very well when you come back to write sequels and whatever you know you know you know a turn of phrase or whatever in the passages that you need to look so in terms of ease of reference it, it's pretty good you know the book back to front but yeah you you certainly live in its shoes for a really long time
0: <laughs> it's a good world to live in though i like um I, this is one of my, I mean, it was really hard to start out reading this book. Claire and I talked about this in our episode. This was the first book that both of us had read, like, at the beginning of the year. So it kind of ruined all other books for us.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm that, glad
1: yeah. to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> the benchmark is high. Yes.
2: I, I like to hear it. I'm a, I'm a pretty competitive person by nature, so I'll take that as a compliment.
1: I think we discussed actually when we were talking about it on the episode. When well, can we say We found our book of the year in the first Already? Week? Are we allowed to see?
2: In that? January, that's a, that's a big call. It's a big call. <laughs> I hope it. it's true. That'll
0: it's be it's still holding strong through you know the middle okay. of March. So
2: that's good. Yeah. Good to be
0: here. Yeah. And we read a lot of books. <laughs> we talk about a different one every single week, so we read a lot. Yeah. Right. Okay,
2: all right. We'll see if we hold up to the end of the year
1: then. Well, I mean, what I'm currently listening to is pretty good as well.
0: Yeah, because you finally okay. started listening to his other books.
2: <laughs> what's, what's the one you're listening to right now?
1: I have a double speed. I listen to du- an audiobook's yeah. double speed. I'm very sorry. I oh, have yeah, three right. hours and five minutes left of Dark Dawn.
2: Oh, right, you're reading mine. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, I'll listen to myself. That's
1: fine. <laughs> 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 and when you're sitting in a very silent office and you're listening to it and you're going, just kill the bastard, kill them. <laughs> kill the bastard, kill
2: them. <laughs> Your colleagues could get a little bit worried if they were <laughs> listening to you, I guess
1: yeah thankfully it's a very very quiet office with very few people who ever bother coming in so it's not too bad
2: yeah okay i mean that could work to your detriment it's a very very quiet office and you just hear your colleague over in the corner whispering to herself just kill the bastard kill the bastard <laughs> <laughs> that could lead to a, a call to office security quite quickly
0: that won't be good Claire. Be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> you need to work from home until you finish the book i think
1: I do oh I need to get a duck for my desk somebody's has a duck for, on their desk and they talk to the duck so when they're working they're, it's one of their lecturers told them about it so they're an analyst so as they're right. doing the work and they need to talk out the methodology the talk to the duck um
2: it's, it's like a plastic duck like a rubber yeah, duck it's or just something like a
1: plastic rubber duck it's a, it's on right. Wikipedia the, the, the duck the, like the, the duck doubleganger thing it's it's on Wikipedia and everything and I do huh. have one but he's at home and he's a little it's not a duck. chimpanzee. It's not a duck, it's a chimpanzee. But it is a it is a, a a known theory that, you know, if you have the duck to talk to, and it just helps you focus when you're having a conversation with yourself, but you're trying yeah. to work out the analysis of it when you actually focus it and as if you're having a, a, a proper conversation with someone. So it is a that known... Actually, it actually
2: makes good. a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: Do you have a duck? Are you going to get one?
2: I don't have a duck. No, I, I don't. Um, but we were I was away on a writer's retreat with a couple of other writers probably two, three months ago. And we noticed, you know, we, we would get together in the evening and kind of brainstorm ideas if we were stuck on a particular plot point or whatever. And one of the things that we noticed with all of us is even in the act of saying the problem out loud, you would solve the problem, or if you were trying to identify what was wrong with a thing, with a scene or a character or whatever, just the act of articulating it would bring a kind of clarity. And often the other two people involved in the conversation would just kind of sit there and watch the third person solve their own problem for themselves. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like That's one of the things I do when I'm kind of in the closing stages of finishing a manuscript as well, is I'll read the whole thing aloud to myself like say it out loud um which is it's a weird thing to do particularly if it's like a 700 page fantasy novel or whatever it takes a long time but yeah even hearing it can bring things to your attention that you wouldn't have otherwise noticed um like repetitions or non sequiturs or or breaks in flow like it's one thing to read it's another thing to to verbalize so yeah that makes perfect sense Get a duck.
1: Get a duck. Get a duck.
2: <laughs> Everyone should have
1: a duck. <laughs> I'm going to get a little vampire on. <laughs> what you need to
0: do is you need to get a monkey butler. This is no, why you need to the have faeces. the monkey. butler.
1: I don't want the, to the monkey butler. I've got, I have a monkey. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah there you PG go. Tips well, monkey. you know, give him a little hat and a little suit.
2: He can't I mean, get, he get you can tea, but. He
1: can't
2: Northern get you tea.
1: He used to sit at my desk. I've had this little monkey for 15 years and he used to sit at my old office desk and I used to dress him up. I have an entire album of him in, in dress up. <laughs> <laughs> I got very bored at that place. Moving on. Yes. Shall we have another would you Please. Rather? Yes.
0: <laughs> I want to know. This is not Empire related. This is Nevernight. Would you rather travel in a pool of blood or travel through shadows but be sick afterward?
2: Huh. That's an excellent question. Probably travel through blood over long distances because I don't like airplanes. Um, yeah, being able to teleport over vast distances is, is a pretty useful ability. I mean, being able to step through shadows is also great. I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain about having either of those powers to tell you the truth. But in terms of making my day-to-day life easier, teleportation across fast distances is pretty good because I'm six foot seven. I don't fit in airplanes. <laughs> like airplane, air, air travel is just shit for me. <laughs> so yeah, I'll uh, I'll take the blood pool.
0: But you can't bring anything with you.
2: Yeah, I know, but and yeah, you have to be naked. Yeah, that is a good point. I don't
1: care. That's what I'm doing You would have to emerge too. from the blood Terminator style if it's if you're traveling long distances naked, just like Arnie does when he do- appears.
2: Yeah, i i I'd probably have to I probably have to go to the gym a little more frequently before I started doing <laughs> that. <laughs> He's pretty buff. I'm not. i certainly not Arnie degree. I'm not at Arnie's level.
1: It's more the crouch. You just master the crouch. It's fine. Crouch. So this is why I went with shadows. Yeah, Especially shadows have got the lol factor, you know, just little hello shenanigans.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, you can do that.
1: No, I'm up for
0: the
2: um... sheer
1: terror of being covered in blood. You like that. I do You have to you have to put stickers on your cosplay disc discards to say this is not human blood. I did. I did do that. That
0: was a good one. Being <laughs> That was a huge fucking mess, by the way. Being Mia covered in blood, it was disgusting.
2: Oh, my I husband was just yeah.
0: pouring fake blood over my head, and I was like, oh, it's so cold, and it's just...
2: <laughs> yep. What did you make your fake blood out of?
0: Um, I just, I bought fake blood for oh, this okay. one. Right. Um, yeah, whenever I use, whenever I do blood from my mouth, I make it with cocoa powder and a little bit of red food coloring so it doesn't taste like garbage right yeah. yeah but this one was just I like...
2: did it mm. we got a fake blood recipe off the internet for one Halloween and it had um it was like there was, there was a bunch of sugar in there I can't remember if it was castor sugar or something but it was super sticky and it just stuck to everything like it stuck to me and my clothes and everything I touched and all over our apartment. There was just like <laughs> blood <laughs> for weeks afterwards. I would find like, how the fuck did that get up there? Yeah, it just got <laughs> everywhere. So I can imagine if you covered yourself in it, yeah, it would be even worse.
0: It was. It was terrible. I got a like a shower curtain and laid it out and my husband was just pouring it all over the top. And then we had to I mean I had to walk from where we took the picture to the bathroom to get it all off and I left footprints. Right. It yeah. was
2: it's a good thing that <laughs> no one could see him through the windows, or yeah, yeah. Mum didn't choose that moment to pop around for a visit, and there's bloody footprints up and down her yeah, daughter's hallway.
0: It was not good. She'll probably be used to that, to be fair. Yeah, she probably is. Um, <laughs> everyone knows. Well,
2: the 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 lion cosplay you did was amazing. That looked thank you, sick. It was great. Yeah, no, it looked awesome. Thank you. It's so cool to see to see stuff like that. Yeah, it's the best feeling.
0: Well, good. I really enjoyed doing that one. It was a lot of fun. I took yeah, so no, many more pictures than that one, though. There was, like, just scrolling through my phone, just one after another, after another, after another, but that's the one. Oh, sure, I, I
2: believe it. I mean, you go to all that effort, you want to document it properly, but, yeah, you look sick. You look awesome.
1: Thank you. Mm, no, sick but... in a good way. <laughs> Do you need to have a lie down, Amanda? I might. Take a moment.
0: I might have just, I might have just <laughs> oozed into a puddle.
1: <laughs> A big bloody puddle.
0: A big bloody puddle with shitting and vomiting and crying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've come full circle. We
0: have come full circle. Oh my god! What other what other questions okay. do we
1: need to ask? Well, my question, which was the Nevernight Empire crossover, was: Would you rather become an assassin in the Red Church or a silver saint in Saint Michel? Um.
2: They're both pretty bad jobs. Um, I think probably a silver saint because they're a little more altruistic. Like the red church is ultimately a, a pretty corrupt endeavor. Uh, it's under the control of, well, I mean, at least in Mia's time, it's under the control of Julius Skaver and the people in charge of it are, you know, I mean, they're they're a cult of assassins to begin with, so they're not exactly scoring high on the moral scale, but they're also, you know... Possible deceiving even the people around them um and working entirely for money like they're they're ostensibly a religious organization but in fact they're not they're just a mercenary organization so they're they're a completely corrupt organization rather than the the silver saints i think at least for the most part believe they're doing the right thing they're trying to do a good thing it's a very hard thing it's a very dirty job um and you've got a pretty short life expectancy, but ultimately you're trying to make the world a better place. So, yeah, they're the good guys. The Red Church are not good guys.
1: Could you be trained by the Red Church and then go independent consultant? You probably may make more money that way. Consultants always make more money. It just become a merchant. Yeah, game. but you,
2: that, they'd kill you. They'd <laughs> 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 just kill you. Not as a colossal. Yeah, sure. I mean, you, if you if you can kill an entire cult of killers, you're you probably earned your independent status. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they just come and get you. It's you see, like the problem is we're street, women. We
1: we can't be Silver Saints because they're all misogynistic and like, oh no, you're a woman, you can't fight. But we have theories well, that's not about that. You
2: that. Can't... All right, what's your theory?
0: Well, we were talking about the bloodline the mysterious fifth bloodline that oh, Gabriel's sister accidentally also has. So clearly it comes uh-huh. from the mother. So, I mean, why can't she be doing this, these same things too? And is she? Is she is the question.
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the interesting things about writing a first-person point of view narrative. You only know what the narrator knows. And Gabe only knows what he's been told. Uh... And he got raised by a group of religious fanatics who gave him one view of the world. And he hasn't really been presented another one. Um, but in book two, like I say, you, you get a little bit of a broader view of the world uh, and the history of it and what role vampires have kind of played in it. So you get the impression that Gabe, yeah, he, he's only been privy to, to one, one, uh, one perception I guess one way of seeing the world so yeah uh, everything he has been told is suspect in that sense because mm-hmm. the people who educated him have proven that they're not above lying they're not they're not above twisting the narrative or deleting omitting facts uh in order to to make the people that are working for them do and behave the way they want them to behave so sure it, it's it's definitely a theory definitely a theory
0: so does that mean that there's going to be more badass female characters because you're very good at writing those
2: uh there's one in particular in book two who i really like um oh there's a, there's actually a couple there's a really cool villain who's a lady who i like a lot
0: oh my god um like female villain she's oh a cool villain. i'm all, i'm excited <laughs> yeah, for she's, it already
2: she's, she's pretty cool uh there's a there's a new uh, Protagonist, like one one of the good guys, who's a lady who I like a lot. Uh, yeah, the, there's quite a few. There's a lot of female characters in Book Two, actually. Um, in terms of the new ones that get introduced, a lot of the antagonists are female as well, which is I'll weird. I love it. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I hope so is the short is the short answer to that question. Yeah, I hope so.
1: Does Leanthe know what? their mother was going to tell Gabriel when he returned home for the celebration before
2: About his dad? Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you, that's all spoilery Son stuff. <laughs> but
1: we're full of spoilers. That's hey. We, true, we're we spoilers. are and
0: we're
2: yeah, good at keeping I secrets. I can't, I can't spoil you on a book that you haven't read yet. I haven't even finished writing it yet, so I'm not entirely sure how that is all going to play out yet. I'm still kind of writing the end of book two. I know the way I think it's going to play out, but until I actually write it, it's it's um, it's not set in stone yet. So that it would be extremely irresponsible of me to be talking about the end of a book that I haven't actually finished.
1: <laughs> you haven't. A... Just know yeah, that, that we became very obsessed with the idea that the Sangomancy is down the female line and that it's the mother that is involved in that, and not. The father yes. because at last we have a matriarchal family not a patriarchal family down the patriarchy
2: yeah it's an interesting theory uh i will not confirm or deny <laughs> i can't talk about a book that doesn't exist yet because things could change like Yeah, like I have an idea, I have a plan in my head, but often I find that some, well, not often, but sometimes I find I'll just think of a cooler idea as I write, like I'm one of those authors who tends to discover a lot of the story in the actual writing of it. So my novels tend to change an incredible amount between initial planning stages and what actually ends up on the page. Like in the pitch document that I gave my publishers for Empire, Gabe wasn't even a half vampire. He was just a guy. He was just a regular dude. That was a change that came in probably draft three. <laughs> like, like it was probably wow. six months wow. before I finished writing the book. That was when that idea occurred to me. And I can't imagine how the book would even work now without that idea. Like, particularly with the ramifications that have come through you know, in book two in terms of his history and stuff, but that was not part of the plan when I started writing it. The whole idea was he was just gonna be a guy. That's wild. He wasn't a he 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 wasn't anything special. He was just a regular guy who was in a this extraordinary set of circumstances. Which is an it's a cool story to tell. Um but yeah, in the end I I thought it would be more interesting to to kind of give him a secret history and tie that in with the secret history of the world so yeah like i say that my books tend to change a lot as i'm writing them um and i i'm kind of constantly rewriting them as i write the book so
0: as you're reading them out loud to the duck you change them
2: as i'm reading them out out loud to the duck (laughs) yeah that's exactly right um so yeah it's it's hard for me to talk about book two
0: i don't think he would have survived the river if he (laughs) weren't half vampire at the very least, well,
1: That's the... the least of his problems is survival. <laughs> yeah, we already like this, talked about the idea that, was yeah.
2: that he was, he was kind of, have to, he, would, he would have to be just completely reliant upon the drug. It was, you know, it was something that he couldn't operate without. Um, but yeah, it. it it's it's a way better story with him being half vampire. <laughs> like, that's ultimately why I decided to go that route. It's a far more interesting story. It makes him a more interesting character. It gives him a lot more of an interesting internal struggle. Um and he's kind of dealing with the long term ramifications in book two, um, of the way he has behaved over the last eleven years, you know, like he's he's been feeding off his wife the whole time and now he can't. So, you know, he's, he's in, he's an addict to sanctus, but he's also an addict to blood. And, you know, one of the first lessons he gets taught in the monastery is, you know, your state of being will eventually drive you mad. Uh, and if you drink blood, you'll get driven mad quicker. And he's been drinking it for 11 years. So, um, yeah he's kind of dealing with the ramifications of that so that make, that makes him that makes his internal struggle against who he is a lot more interesting than just you know he was just going to be a drug addict in the initial draft of the novel so like i say i tend to think of cooler ideas and permutations on themes as i write them so i could very well think of a cooler idea than what i have planned for the end of book 2 so i can't really talk about it <laughs> i'd be doing you a disservice yeah, I'd be lying to you, maybe.
0: Dang it! You could just make up can... something completely bonkers, off the wall, and we'd be like, "Yeah!" And then you laugh at us.
1: You could. <laughs> yeah, do I don't do that.
2: Though. I don't that. But lie
1: to then you. it might be really good, and then you're like, "Actually, like, <laughs> fuck!" I mean, it can be
2: good. Yeah, we could we could crack the book right here. <laughs> oh. I need to say
1: how much I love Aaron and Baptiste, though. They are my yes. power couple. Oh, yes. I adore them. Everything about them, I just, I oh, I just
2: saw. So See that that was another thing that totally changed over the course of writing the book. Like, Aaron, Aaron was going to be just kind of a Draco Malfoy type guy. I, the the vision I had for Aaron was, yeah, he he was a Draco, and he would eventually become an antagonist for Gabe. I thought maybe he would come into play kind of in book three. Um, you know, he was a guy who stayed true to the order. And so Gabe is kind of dealing with the ramifications of what he did at the end of book one. Like a lot of the Silver Order don't like him now because he murdered their abbots and committed mass murder on the grounds of their holy cathedral and stuff. So I initially envisioned Aaron as becoming like a principal antagonist for him. And there was another character who ended up getting written entirely out of the book. He was he was another um, he was like a a mentor a teacher at the at the monastery and he was the guy who was having the affair with baptiste and he was kind of like he was like the young cool teacher like all the old teachers are old and crusty and he was kind of a he was closer to gabe's age and so they kind of became big brother little brother mm-hmm. and then he was having the affair with baptiste and he got thrown out and he ended up um you know being at Aveline when Gabe and Dior visit later in the book but because I had to cut the book down in terms of length I had to compile those two characters into the one character which again worked out way better like
3: yeah.
2: Aaron as a character he's one of my favorite characters in the whole book now um, and his relationship with Gabe is the way that changes over the course of the narrative is one of my favorite parts of the book and I think the scene that he and Gabe have in the chapel in book six, uh, that conversation about faith, that's really a conversation about the whole book like that. If there's Mm -hmm. one scene that kind of encompasses the book, that conversation is it. But again, I didn't plan any of that for Aaron. It just kind of came out over the course of writing. Um, That's one of the really cool things about writing the way I do. That's one of the fun parts of it, kind of discovering... The novel as you write it it's it's probably not the most efficient way in terms of working because you have to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite but often you find um kind of nuggets of gold while you're going through that wouldn't have occurred to you if oh, i'm certainly not prescient enough to be able to sit down and think of all that cool stuff before i start writing i'm just not that talented so i have to discover the book as i write but yeah aaron, aaron speak, is a really good really. example yeah, I mean they do. They they kind of come into their own and they become real inside your head. Um, <clears throat> and that's one of the that's one of the signs that the book to me is working when characters start kind of talking of their own volition and, and doing things that you don't necessarily expect them to do. That's a sign that they they've, they've kind of become real, quote unquote, in your head. They start acting in a way that you don't anticipate.
1: Is Aaron and Baptiste going to be in the second one? In it so far, they are
2: in the second one. Yes. Are they, they staying are alive? <laughs> I can say that they are not having any fun right now.
1: Oh, <laughs> Nobody no. has fun. No one has they're fun. Not, these they're not. They're not
2: having. They're not having any fun. They've got it pretty rough. They've got it pretty rough in this book.
1: <laughs> oh, honestly, I just, I just love the characters. I love the development of them. I love, I. One of the tropes that we really like is um is like a, a friend, an enemy to friends thing, and found family, sure. especially yeah. found especially family, family yeah. And you could oh, oh, as Aaron was like developing as a character, you go, God, you're an asshole! Oh, you're gonna get, stabbed, get stabbed! God, you're an asshole! Go away! <gasps> Did you kill? No, 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 it wasn't him. And then, but you just, you just kind of uh, you're arguing with the book all the way through. But I felt like I was, because I was listening and reading, I felt like I was I was arguing with the, the audio. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> so it was a nice conversation I was having. And when it was, you saw him with Baptiste, I was like, oh. and then when they were at Aveline, I was like, oh. it was just these moments of glimmers of hope and happiness that you needed and clung yeah, on sure. to. And I think that's the worry that I'm clinging on to Aaron and Baptiste so much Something that when terrible they do eventually die, because I'm just going to say everybody dies in the end. They, you know, if they, if, if one one of them. I'm going to cry. There's going to be proper fat tears. I'm going to be very upset, and I may have to put the book down for five minutes and have a little mourn. But I'll come back to it. and Get on. But yeah, <laughs> I, I will. There will be a strong word worded
2: tweet. <laughs> again, I will I will not confirm or deny. I, I, I can say that they're not having any fun. But I mean, no one is having fun, and it's one of my books. <laughs> it's kind of par for the course. They had their fun. They had like on. They like how long they have to, had like thirteen years of happiness. Like that's more than anyone else
1: that's got. <laughs> that's got, got. That's plenty. That's plenty. They got to live
2: as a married couple for like thirteen years. They had that in gold. <laughs>
1: With the support of their community that they've built, which is even better, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, they had it, they had it great, they had it sweet, (laughs) so they get no complaints.
0: (laughs) It's not going to be good, Claire. You're
1: going to be upset. I know, I know, I'm going to be upset. Oh, I yeah, I'll get over it. Yeah, (laughs) um,
0: I don't typically tend to have many like sad and weepy emotions when I'm reading books, but. After reading um, the the worst day chapter, and then going back yep. and reading the two words chapter, two words chapter was my favorite one in the entire book. But after going back and reading that one, then my soul was crushed. So right, Thanks. you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks
2: for that. So you went back and reread. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's just asking for it, really.
0: Yeah, it was not a <laughs> it was not a good idea. But that's what happens. Like you know, Claire and I take turns summarizing these books, and this one was mine. So I listened to it while while reading the book or reading the ebook, and then I went through my actual copy and was reading that one. So yeah, yeah, right. Uh, at least two and a half times I read it between the beginning of December and when we had our episode, so yeah. Just slightly obsessed. It was fine.
2: You're, you're welcome to the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> trauma is my brand, so you know what you're getting into before you <laughs> pick up the my books. Yeah. It's not like, you know, you're, you're promised a Disney princess romance and, and you got kicked Ooh, in the teeth. It's no, like, you know, I'm, you got to get kicked in the teeth.
0: If it was a Disney romance, I would hate it. <laughs> right
2: same same
1: so, so, so. there this needs too much happiness it's just <laughs> you too need to
0: add in yeah, no, at least a few buckets of blood for it to for it to agreed yeah
2: agreed there are very few disney films that could not be improved with a couple of buckets of blood <laughs>
0: <laughs> excellent um okay oh, so some other questions that we have, and we've kept you for way too long already, but I don't care because I have to ask you a couple more questions. Um, What's your favorite swear word and your favorite string of expletives?
2: I don't know. I mean, my favorite swear word is probably fuck just because it's so useful. Mm. Like it could be noun, verb, adjective. It can serve any function whatsoever. Uh, And it can be aggressive, it can be friendly. It's the perfect word in that sense. In terms of a string of expletives, I don't, I don't know if I've got one. Um, yeah, I, it, it tends to change depending on the day and the mood. I don't have a go-to set of insults. Um, my, fa- my favorite insult in the book is twat goblin. I've started calling people that in traffic in particular. That's excellent. <laughs> uh, just cuz there's something funny about the, the alliteration of that word but <laughs> uh, yeah it's a, I don't really I don't really have a fave it, it tends to change with the day and the mood yeah
1: I remember I think I sent a string of the swear words to you Amanda, and Gordon. This is just poetry. Yes. I need this on a sampler, cross-stitched <laughs> yeah. onto a sampler. It's just poetry.
0: I remember telling you like how much you're going to love everything that Talon says, you know, until the end of the book, which I couldn't say to you because you hadn't finished <laughs> sure. it yet. But yeah. He was he had a lot of good things to say.
2: He was he was a fun character, to so right. Yeah. I actually wrote a lot more of him, but again, because of length, it had to get cut down. So in the end, he only got a couple of scenes. Uh, there's one in particular that I really liked that I had to cut um, where, yeah, he, he got very sweary. But I ended up I ended up taking it. It was like a best of compilation in the end. Like, I had to condense like three or four scenes that he was in, and I just took the best insults from all of them and put them in the few that he was actually in the book. So... You you saw him at his best <laughs> or worst, as the case may be.
1: I think we really enjoyed the repetition of "just fuck my face." We
0: did. We said "fuck like, my face." I don't know how many times in that episode.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure where that came from. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know why I gave my protagonist the catchphrase or why it was <laughs> why it ended up being that. But yeah, it's, one of my
1: my favorites when it's it's Gabriel and Dior and they're just looking at each other. Fuck my this. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I can
2: I can see that scene in my head, <laughs> like I can see the, the 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 TV or film of that scene. So yeah, we'll see we'll see how we go.
1: That's where the kinship developed. Where you really saw them actually, you know, not not become friends. They feel more like arguing siblings to me. Because yeah, he's only thirty two. Yeah, <laughs> he's only thirty two.
2: <laughs> he's only thirty two. Yeah. I mean, they're they're, they're kind of parents. Child, they're like you know a parent who had their who had their kid too young, and so he's the almost... irresponsible
1: uncle who babysits too much,
2: <laughs> right? Sure, yeah. gives you your, buys you your first six pack. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's the one who teaches you all the swear words, gets your first six yeah. pack, gets you drunk for the first time, and takes you driving five years before you should be getting a license.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's bad influence. <laughs>
1: In the best way, though. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah. Everyone needs an uncle like
0: that. Oh, man. Um, oh. What else do we need to ask him, Claire? So We sent you so many questions.
1: All the spoilers. Can we have spoilers? No, we can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've covered, like we said before, Illuminate on um, the show, and before... Amanda has covered with the previous uh, horse, the Nevernight series. What's the most challenging to write, though, fantasy or sci-fi? Illuminae is crazy, by the way. And I know you, you, you know, you, you do it with with Amy, so it's kind of easier, harder to, to co-author.
2: Um, it's just different. I would. It's easier in terms of problem solving because you've got two heads instead of one. You don't uh, have to, it's to talk stable, to the it's duck. True you have a real no world. you you you've can a talk a real, to each other have a real doubt that's literally what we do we bounce ideas off each other all day um but yeah having two brains on your given problem it's often easier to solve uh in terms of what's harder to write um i mean empire was the hardest book that i've ever written i don't think that's by dint of it being a fantasy novel though i think it's just you know Dual timelines interweaving with each other and the scope of the book kind of stretching over 15 years um, yeah just it's the scope of the work that makes that made that a hard novel to write um, and just the size of it as well you know it was the biggest book that I had written too so Empire certainly wins the award for hardest book that I've written but I don't think that's because it's fantasy um, I think they can both they both have their own challenges and they both have their own strengths. Uh, you know, technology can be a boon in storytelling, but can also really be a bane. Um, you know, even, even something as simple as a mobile phone has ruined most of the old tropes of kind of suspense and thrillers that we grew up with in like the 80s and the 90s. The fact that someone can just communicate with somebody else whenever they need to Kind of rewrote suspense as a genre. Um, took away isolation as kind of a key factor in suspense and thriller. So, yeah, sci-fi can be challenging in that sense because technology just solves a lot of problems. That's what technology is great at. But you know, at the same time, fantasy has its own challenges as well. So, I, I don't. I honestly don't know which one is harder. They're both. They're both fun. They're both tough. Uh, I enjoy writing both, and so I'll probably keep. keep Continue to write both.
1: It's two of oh, our favourite. It is. Genres. Every, time, every time we get to a sci-fi book, we're like, "Oh, good sci-fi! Yes. It's nice to go with teeth and some nice yes. sci-fi." And then yeah, if like, it particularly bloody, you say, "Oh, thank
2: goodness!" Yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I enjoy them both as well um, for different reasons, and I and I read kind of different styles of science fiction as well. A lot, a lot of science fiction. Particularly in pop culture these days, it's it's more kind of science fantasy. Like there's not a lot of there's not an awful amount of science in in something like Star Wars, for example, or Star Trek, or whatever. It's a futuristic setting, but it's not exactly scientific. Like, um, so yeah, it you can still have a lot of fun in in those genres. Um, mm. And yeah, I, I i think i'll I think I'll always stray towards fantasy because that's kind of where I started um those, those are the books that kind of brought me into reading um and my favorite books are still probably fantasy books but yeah i've still got a soft spot for sci-fi as well
0: do you have a book that cool. changed your life or one that you always recommend when someone asks you
2: um i have a lot of them uh, it de- it depends on what you're after what kind of book um You know if if you're a writer i'll always recommend on writing by stephen king that was really eye-opening and life-changing in terms of the way i approached the craft of writing Um, i think that's probably i hesitate to say it's an essential read i'm not sure anything is essential but it was really helpful to me i found it really insightful uh, and it definitely changed the way i approached writing as a craft so yeah, it, it, if, in terms of writing, I thoroughly recommend Stephen King's on writing. It's a great book.
0: How do you feel about Stephen King's other books? Do you have a favorite?
2: I love them. Uh, Salem's Lot is my favorite, for sure.
0: Salem's Lot was really uh, very, very good. But Dr. Sleep is my favorite.
2: Oh, really? Okay. I've not read Dr. Sleep.
0: Dr. Sleep was so. great.
2: Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah, I, I was a huge fan of Stephen King back in the day. I kind of read, I started reading him way, way too young. I think I was like 10 or 11 years old when I started reading Stephen King. Um, And Mark Petrie from Salem Slot was kind of the first time that I saw myself in a book that I was reading. Because he's kind of the young nerdy kid who (laughs) figures out the mystery in the town before the adults did. And I was kind of a young nerdy kid who read horror comics and collected action figures and all that. So he was kind of the first time i saw a character in a book and thought oh wow i could that could be me i could be i could be in this story so yeah that 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 book will always stick with me it's a great novel.
0: i listened to the audiobook of that one a couple of years ago it was good
2: yeah wow okay yeah it's a banger
0: and then watch the mini series <laughs> which was
2: i i don't also think great I, I haven't seen many Good adaptations of Stephen <laughs> King novels. Um, I mean, Strait Sh- 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 *Redemption* and *Green Mile* are both great, but they're not horror pieces. Mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't seen many great adaptations of his horror work, I guess. Um, but there's still, yeah, there's been some amazing adaptations. Like *Stand by Me* is also oh, one of his yeah. short stories, and that's one of my favorite films of all time. So, I love yeah. That one. Weirdly <laughs> enough, he adapts really well, just not horror, which is what he's known for. So, yeah, it's quite strange.
0: Did you watch? The new redo of the stand?
2: No, I haven't. Is it good? Yeah, that's what everyone says <laughs> when I ask. So I've kind of that's kind of I've stayed away from it. I tried to watch Under the Dome. I think we got like three or four episodes into that, and and we kind of bounced off it. I don't I don't know. It's so weird. Like he's such such a famous, well-read broadly written like he, he covers a lot of different genres um he's he's done them all very successfully but for some reason he he just has bad luck when it comes to adaptations it's not for lack of trying either there's been a shitload of Stephen King pieces adapted some of them multiple times and like they just don't work <laughs> the Salem's Lot adaptation is yeah <laughs> it's,
0: so bad but yeah, I love no, good.
2: it no good.
0: <laughs> the Outsider was pretty good.
2: Oh, I haven't seen that.
1: That one was That one was okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. But
2: see, you're still saying it's okay. You're not saying it's <laughs> it was great. There's a
1: question mark at the end of that, quite clearly. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Was to say. It was good. But, like, Will
0: Patton narrated the audiobook, and he just does such a good job with them. And, you know, he's an actor, like, himself, so he did a good job with right. the audiobook. So. But... I was not disappointed with the series. With the mini Right,
2: okay. That, that's just a expectations
0: low? Yes, you have to expect for them to be terrible. Yeah. Uh, there's no there's no other way. Doctor Sleep was yeah. good though. The the movie was also good. And it was different, like The Shining was different.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: And it was it was good like difficult.
2: misery is another great adaptation that totally worked but again that's less of a horror
1: yeah. novel
2: and more of a thriller yeah
1: um so yeah it's more of a horror if you're a writer though imagine that yeah i don't think you'd appreciate that pretty scary. Happening to you Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> you did what I'm to a... aaron <laughs> you write yeah. Jay? Oh. <laughs>
0: oh yanks
1: Claire, now he's
0: going to be afraid reason, that you're going to not threatening cut his
1: anybody about any characters that they do because they're their no. characters and they're allowed to do it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting on a two-day flight to Melbourne. It's fine. <laughs> I will travel through blood, though. Oh,
0: yeah. Blood travel. Yeah. Get there. I'm sorry that I'm showing up naked. Just deal with it.
1: <laughs> it's fine. You covered it blood. All your bits are kind covered of like... Yeah,
0: sure. it's fine. My hair's long enough to cover important things. It's fine.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the cab ride from the airport might be uncomfortable for all concern, but you know.
0: <laughs> you're, you're Just don't ask questions. You know, I'm going to walk with confidence through the airport. Nobody will stop me. <laughs> Sure. Uh, <laughs> Why am I still <laughs> going you... to the airport if I'm traveling by blood? I
2: Yeah, that, that was. That was. I, I, I was that wondering. question did occur to me while I was, was <laughs> talking about the cab ride. I thought we'd just nope. roll with
1: it. I thought you were going to prepare for an Uber or something as well from the airport. Just, you know, get it there ready to the, the is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you accept PayPal? <laughs> just plug it <in> on your <laughs> phone. <laughs>
0: I can't, like, activate my fingerprint scanner because I'm covered in blood. I don't
2: have anywhere. Wipe bring, it. Wipe your hand on the cab driver. Credit card no credit card.
0: No. Where am I? I can't carry it with me. So.
2: Uh, you'd have to prepay.
0: Definitely. Everything would have to be prepaid. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yikes.
1: At least you wouldn't need a passport,
2: though.
0: But I'm travelling through blood. Who's going to check it?
2: No, no, there's no there's no check-in, there's no security.
1: No. <laughs> Border patrol, right? We'll have a massive pool of blood just to get your little buggers who like to go and travel through blood ready and like, "Ah, you need a visa."
0: <laughs> They're going to show up there. They're just standing there waiting, like looking at their watch and tapping their toes for someone to show up.
1: <laughs> we would say the baggage carousel's over there, but you just travel by blood. Yeah,
0: I don't have anything. I can't bring anything with me.
1: this has gone weird again
0: it has but you know it wouldn't be fictional hangover if it wasn't really weird and awkward for everyone (laughs) involved
1: hugely true
0: (laughs) yeah so is there anything else that you are excited about or anything you can tell us any other secrets that you have already told to the duck that you can reveal
2: um well we have the the next big thing on the calendar i guess is the never special editions that the crate are bringing out um i think they go on sale next month and they're kind of a a definitive edition i guess uh the novels look beautiful i've kind of seen test printings of them now and they just look sick uh and i've kind of put a bunch of annotations in there as well just notes about the writing process or where I thought scenes were going to go and then didn't end up going kind of, you know, what we've talked about today. Uh, and there's a bunch of beautiful illustrations inside it. So yeah, really looking forward to that. Did you um, add any, comes...
0: did you add any new footnotes? The footnotes were my favorite not, part.
2: <laughs> not to the story itself. No, there's a, there's like a bunch of deleted scenes in the back. Um, but no, the only, the only notes that I added were kind of annotations from me uh and yeah i would just talk about where this idea came from or uh what i intended for this character but it ended up changing my mind or what how this changed from the initial draft into the final novel or you know anything and anything anything and everything that kind of came into my head when i was rereading the novels and that was kind of fun like going back and rereading the books because i hadn't visited them since i finished writing dark dawn in like 2018 so it was fun to just kind of go back and and wander through those books again
0: did you listen, like, to listen to those?
2: those. An old friend. Because no, the audio no. was
0: fantastic with those. He seamlessly like oh, cool. added the footnotes in. So it was just like his his voice like slightly shifted a little bit and you know oh something else is happening here and he was just reading all the yeah, footnotes right. that's like cool. seamlessly integrated it was perfect.
1: You, you can tell yeah, you that's those footnotes to, because yeah. it's so sassy. Yeah. And right. It's just like so satirical <laughs> and it it's the point when it goes who writes a book and puts footnotes in? And you can, you can see the, the narrator looking directly at the camera and <laughs> the, the <laughs> And I was sniggering all the way through every time uh, footnotes good to hear. in.
2: I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so only annotations. Um, but yeah, so that, I think that goes on sale in April. Um, so that's the next big thing. Um, we have another Empire announcement kind of coming up soon that... People have started to work out, but I can't really talk about it yet. I'll probably be able to talk about it by the time this podcast goes to air. But, um... Is it
1: something to do with the uh, October release receipt I saw from a Waterstones purchase on the Twitter?
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs>
1: and then may have gone straight to the website and couldn't find it and gone, damn it, they've taken it down.
2: No, they, they, they took it down. Something to do with that, perhaps? Uh, I, I, I can't say. Uh, but as, as, soon social
3: as, media. Can, <laughs> as soon
2: as we can say we will, um, and no one, no one will miss out or anything. So if, if you didn't, if you weren't one of the super sleuths who discovered it, I, the thing is, I told my publishers like, if this thing stays up online, people are gonna fucking find it. Like you don't understand, and like, no, nah, it'll be alright. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, uh, just warning you now. And sure enough, within like days, people were. I don't know how people find it, but. They do, um, but yeah, if you missed out in that initial flurry, then don't don't worry. It, it, I, I
1: love the sussy comments of ah, "I've got it."
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it'll it'll you'll you'll get your chance. You'll get a chance, so no fear. Uh, but yeah, we I can't really talk about that in any greater detail. But other than to say it's fucking cool, um, and hopefully we'll be able to start talking about tour stuff soon as well. There's a lot of really exciting stuff happening with tours kind of later this year, uh, which will be the first time that I've got to meet readers since like the Dark Dawn tour in 2019. So uh, yeah, watch watch this space. Uh, Mm -hmm. And other than that, I'm, I'm kind of working on book two, I'm finishing book two. So I'll be working through there until June uh, Bonnie started doing the illustrations and then looking amazing. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of just keeping my head down and, and grinding on book two and, until it's done. So is
0: that's, there a, that's
2: my well done.
0: Is there an estimated release date for that one?
2: Um, I won't say just yet. I won't say it till it's locked, uh, until the book is finished because when, there's a plan, but if I announce a date and then that doesn't happen for whatever reason then people get annoyed Um, yeah we don't we don't want to ruin your life no no yeah it's all good uh but yeah i I don't want to promise something and then not deliver um so the plan is to have the novel finished by june july this year and if i hit my targets then we'll work out dates and make announcements and and title reveals and all that stuff so but it all depends on me hitting my deadline, so we'll see how we go.
1: <laughs> Did you ever think one of your books would get so many different releases? Like, there's so many variations of Empire. It's unbelievable.
2: No, it was it was wild. I mean, that, that all kind of came out through the Nevernight fandom, really. Like, the Nevernight fandom are one of the most passionate, crazy group of readers that i've ever seen and never when never came out it didn't come out with any kind of fanfare at all it was it was not expected to do well in terms of sales like i accidentally got cc'd on a on a email chain from one of my publishers in their sales department and kind of the the conversation had morphed over the course of the email chain and and eventually i had been cc'd on it but down the bottom of the email they were kind of talking about never and what their sales expectations were and they were not good no one thought that book was going to do anything um so when it came out it didn't it didn't have any bells and whistles really like I think there was a really limited run of special editions through Goldsboro like there was something like 150 of those red-edged nevernights I don't know if you've seen those them they're like. So pretty. Their hen's teeth like they're impossible to find 150 or 250 and that was it and and there was no bells and whistles from the states but over the course of the nevernight trilogy being released it just built up this amazing community that was full of incredibly passionate people who would just rave about the book to anyone and everyone who would listen and so purely on word of mouth like no publisher money no marketing budget nothing it was it was all just groundswell and readers telling readers to read this book that it kind of built up over the course of 3 years and so by the time Dark Dawn came out the series was like became an international bestseller um, all because of readers and so because Nevernight Empire is kind of a spiritual successor to Nevernight in a lot of ways like aesthetically and thematically they share a lot of common ground and so my publishers figured that the Nevernight fandom would be into Empire as well. It was kind of a logical stepping stone. Uh, and based on the sales record of Nevernight, a, a lot of retailers got involved and everyone kind of wanted a piece of it. So that's where all those special editions came from. There's Waterstones and Goldsboro and Forbidden Planet and a couple of book boxes all just wanted their own wanted their own special. Um And weirdly enough, the Barnes and Noble one through the States came on the, I don't know, America America as a general rule seems to be a little bit more reluctant in terms of special editions than the United Kingdom. I'm not sure why that is. UK is a smaller market, but there seems to be a lot more kind of speculation uh, and innovation in terms of book productions. So it wasn't until I think we sold through three runs of the Waterstones Special Edition for Empire, like the black-edged one, that one of my sales reps in the US sent me an email. and Like, obviously, they're watching from across the pond and watching this thing sell thousands of copies and sell out runs in like a matter of hours. And so she sent me this email. email was like, hey, we should have a conversation. Let me introduce myself. Uh, and that was when the Barnes & Noble... Special edition got negotiated, so it was only after Empire proved itself in terms of appetite for it that America even got interested in doing specials. So again, it all kind of came down to the power of the readership—just this incredible group of readers that have built up around me and my work over the course of the last kind of four or five years. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Like we, we sold—we sold them all out. So that I guess it shows that my publishers knew that what they were doing. They knew that people would be hungry for the book and they would be excited for it and, and that people would like it. And, and yeah, it was, it was cool to see the readership kind of get mobilized and get excited about it before it even happened. That was awesome. Also, I mean, the, the covers probably have a lot to do with it. The UK cover in particular is a pretty oh. beautiful piece of art. It um, is. So that, that certainly helps. Um, but yeah, a, I I think 95% of it is just down to this incredible readership that is built up around my work. Uh, So if you're part of that, if you're telling your friends or your family or random strangers in bookstores to read my stuff, then you're a part of that. And I I feel an incredible amount of gratitude to everyone who helped spread the word about my stuff because I couldn't do this without you.
1: I am that random stranger in the bookstore who will yep. talk to everybody and recommend I, books. I, I love it.
2: I love hearing that I love <laughs> I'm hearing just, stories.
0: I'm just lucky that I get to buy the adult fiction at my library and bought copies. And then as soon as they came in, I'm like, hey, you, you take this. Just take it. You need to read this book. Just
2: take it. Just take it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It, doesn't, it's like, it doesn't stay it's on one the shelf. It's one thing to have a publisher behind you and I have amazing publishers. Um they're incredibly supportive and I I love them dearly, but it's an entirely other thing to have a readership who are so passionate and so vocal and so supportive like yeah, you guys don't understand all that you do. Like you yeah, w- words can't express the difference that you all make and and it's a it's a weird thing because you think, oh, I just told my friend about a book that I liked. But if 10,000 people do that, that's 10,000 more people who are suddenly getting told about this book. So the best thing you can do for any author whose work you love is to tell your friend about it. Like it's a small thing, but it's, it's also an incredibly huge thing and important thing. So to everyone out there who's been doing that, yeah, thanks, it, it means the world.
0: Yay. That's why we have it's Fictional it's... Hangover.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly what I was going to say. It's why we're here. <laughs> it's yeah. all how we're here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to fan yeah, girl mean, It books. means a lot. Like, you, you, you folks don't understand how important what you do is. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome of you.
1: And what we say to authors, you guys don't understand what the influence you have on us as readers. And, you know, you are rock stars. Yeah. So... The fact that Amanda hasn't turned to absolute goo at the moment, and <laughs> the fact that we're not like talking so high pitched where your dogs can hear us because we're so excited—it's unbelievable. I'm personally um, <laughs> proud of myself. I just have to say that I—you you- should—making
0: no, you- coherent be sentences sometimes. <laughs>
1: you should be. <laughs> You've stayed articulate. I'm very proud. Uh, but yeah, you're our rock stars. Yeah. And- we're just so incredibly grateful that people are willing to spend far too much time talking to us. Entirely to too much time us. talking to us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it means it means the world. Like what you guys do, it, it's incredible. So yeah, from from me and every other author out there, thank you very much. It, it's awesome.
0: So much love. Hey, wow. Feels <laughs> so special. All right. Well, um, we will we will let you go and enjoy the rest of your day. While Claire goes to sleep Factical and I too. eat dinner, and yeah, all right. <laughs> timelines. Right. Well, thank
2: you so much this for your time. It was wonderful yes, to talk to you. you. Uh, thank
1: you, thank you so again, much.
2: Yeah, thank you for all you do. Uh, you will never know how much it means, but you are the best, and we sincerely appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Now is the can time. Can ask I one goof? completely
1: unrelated question? I can sure. see scythe behind you, but what's the tabletop game next to it?
2: The one to the left.
1: Yeah.
2: So the one on the. Uh, I've got size. Size is, side side is, side is great. My... Uh,
1: yeah, I've got side the on one to
2: there. the left is that one there? That's Twilight mm. Imperium Fourth Edition, which <sighs> is the greatest board game ever made.
1: <laughs> that is a tiny box compared to the one that uh, my friend has. I haven't got it, but yeah, that's a tiny box compared.
2: And they might have third edition. The third edition box is really long. Um,
1: yeah how the to edition buy a special shelf for it it's
2: kind of deeper yeah fourth yeah. edition came out probably a couple of years ago and yeah. it is my favorite board game cool. um, but I... side is great i love side too
0: i have been staring at your daughter of smoke and bone because i love that oh series. yeah did mindset. you yeah. did you read strange the dreamer
2: Strange. Yeah, lot Strange. It's I love Strange. He's one of him. my favorite books.
0: Yes, me too. Oh yeah. my God, I love him too. Lainey. So.
2: Lainey's amazing. Lainey is my favorite fantasy author. She's, She's amazing.
0: She's amazing. And I was yeah. also staring, um, you have like a sword or something back there?
2: I do have a sword. That was like a birthday present from a yeah. group of friends. I don't know <laughs> I don't <remember laughs> why they gave me a sword. But it has sat in my study ever since. Why uh, not a sword? It like a, it's like a Baratheon shield that I won at a card tournament I used to play. The Game of Thrones <laughs> card, card game. That oh was a prize.
1: God.
2: That's so, fantastic. I'm throw it out. Yeah,
1: no, I love I'm, the fact I'm that you're a giant money. nerd. Yep. It, this I'm is a massive that's nerd. That's the am, best I thing. I am the
2: nerd who is to nerds what nerds are to normal people. Like I am a super if I, nerd.
1: <laughs> if I turn my light on right now, all of that wall, and then above me, is all tabletop games.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. What's your favorite?
1: <laughs> Sorry?
2: What's your what favorite talk? tabletop game?
0: Was a terrible question to ask her. Right, it's a terrible question. <laughs> but look, you can see my mouth on your bosom when you rolled out in your chair
1: there. <laughs> ticket to ride is old school. I get intense when I play that. Um,
2: that's just some of them. Which one?
1: Ticket to ride.
2: Oh, ticket to ride, sure. Yep.
1: Arkham horror, particularly Els. Oh, early. you're not com-
2: like. The, the LCG? Do you play the LCG?
1: Dude, I've got it all over there.
2: <laughs> oh my it's... god, so do I. There's all my Arkham stuff right there. That's, yeah, that's oh my favourite Yeah, all my Arkham there. So um, good. It's so it's good. It's
1: amazing. i kickstarted kick-started a pre-neoprene mat. Best thing I ever did. Uh, but I do oh, okay. have 4th edition right. Arkham Horror. Quite into Outer Room at the moment. Charterstone's particularly good if you want a legacy game.
2: Um, oh, yeah, okay. Did you play oh, uh, Gloomhaven?
1: Um, I have. It's it's okay. If you want a quick game yeah, not a and fan. you like dice, Die of the Dead is fantastic. Oh, okay. That's really, really good. Cool. Um, I've just taken delivery of the Marvel United X-Men edition from Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, I know the one. Yeah. I've got the Marvel up there, but I've got the X Men downstairs. We haven't actually unboxed it yet, and oh, all of the I'm literally looking over. Oh gosh, quite into um, where is it? Where is it? Oh, like Raiders of the the Explorers of the 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 um, of the of the North. It's kind of like um, Viking set, and then there's Paladins. Oh, okay, cool. Um, that's really, really good. They're my current favorites, favourite ones. Nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have a few. But yeah, Arkham, <laughs> like Arkham LCG like is just amazing. And I've had to, I had yeah, to take I a break while I was doing my dissertation, so we need to go back. And Where them. I'm
2: playing it with two different groups on Tabletop Simulator right now. We started playing it uh, during the pandemic because we couldn't get together and play it in the real. Uh, and we're just finishing Innsmouth, I think, which is really hard. <laughs> Innsmouth is yes. brutal.
1: Um, we've got the return twos, just oh, yeah, i be buying those. Yeah, and I want, same. want to go back through them. I need to go back to Dun- Dunwich Legacy, the train scenario. Oh, it's the of my- best.
2: That's what that's In- one of my favorite episodes as well. We just did that with my uh, my second group the other week. You, yeah, you want to train
1: Amanda and you've got to get from one end, from the caboose, all the way to the engine, whilst Eldritch Horrors is trying are getting to get ripped to you.
2: off the back. Excellent. So if you don't like... move fast enough, you just get eaten. <laughs> My wife got eaten. <laughs> it's hilarious.
1: I couldn't get through a bloody door. A door wouldn't
2: open. I kept right. <laughs> rolling
1: and I kept going in the Doom bag and kept picking out the worst possible Numbers because you don't yeah. roll dice, Amanda. You 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 get it's a token bag and the token has numbers on it, and it some can of them very are very cruel. Some of them are very very cruel. Some of them are all fails and I could not get through a pig and door, and it was yeah. just so funny. And then I finally got through, and you could imagine yourself just kind of like stumbling and going, "Thank goodness!" So yeah, I need to go back through because we we were playing every Thursday night, me and my husband. Um, but then I stopped when I started my, doing my dissertation last year because right. every night was devoted to writing. Um, sure. We need to start going through it again. But we've just spent far too much money on Etsy buying... Um, Bits and pieces, yeah, ...tokens so. and stuff because... Oh, yeah. ...we're all
2: in. Yes, you, you, and, I have, you and I have a great deal in common, Claire. <laughs> Way too much money spent on Etsy on board gambling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you gotten the custom boxes made for you as well?
2: no i'm using the uh return to boxes to keep because that kind of fits a whole arc within the box they did those designs really well um and for the ones that don't have return tos they're just cardboard boxes upstairs but i am looking at an incredibly blingy box on etsy i've kind of got it in my cart but i haven't bought it yet it's amazing it's like this multi-tiered thing with tentacles up the side it's it's fucking crazy yeah i've got two
1: wooden boxes i got from etsy But they're not that delicious sounding.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, if if you just if you go onto Etsy and look like Arkham Horror LCG storage, you will see it. It's like this multi-tiered monstrosity, and the hinges are like tentacles. So when you open the box, they kind of spread open. It's sick.
1: That is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm going to go on Etsy now. Etsy's fantastic to feed. It's, the obsession. it's a very
2: good way to waste a lot of money. <laughs> it
1: really is. It really is. Okay. Thank you for letting me nerd out. It's been bugging me all the way through just no worries. I've been seeing Scythe. And I'm like, he's got Scythe as well. He <laughs> plays yeah,
3: D&D no, all too. <laughs> all right.
2: Well, thank you so much for your time thank this you. morning or this evening, as the case may be. Um, yes. And yeah.
0: Thanks
2: for all you do. We really appreciate everything that you do for us. Thank you. Well, good. It
0: was awesome to talk to you and hopefully
2: I'll speak to you soon. Yay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye
0: Bye-bye. Oh my God, I'm going to (sighs) die. Wow. We kept him a long time. (laughs) We did almost two hours wow wow
1: are you gonna shit and i mean i think that you're
0: gonna be the one shitting and crying Uh, and vomiting he's such a nerd i love it oh so that's it for this extra (laughs) special bonus episode of fictional hangover i'm amanda and i'm claire please go back and check out all of our other episodes a fictional hangover and also go buy our stuff on redbubble join us on patreon so you can watch this fantastic video (laughs) so many things just join us all over the place these extra special bonus episodes are very unique
1: they really are oh oh why not go and listen to the empire of the vampire episode as well you should probably do that episode 173 yes It, it gives you a lot of context it really really does all right. And check out our social medias for Amanda's The cosplay and Mia cosplay. Yes. Slightly Do obsessed. It. And
0: also the Do eyes it. gouged out from Illuminae. Yes. Don't forget that those happened
1: too. That is very true.
0: All right. Well, let's just wrap this up with The Only Cure for a Fictional Hangover is another book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We can turn to goo now. We can.
0: We are goo. We are both goo.
1: You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover. And on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others and rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon.